Hallelujah. Appreciate that so much. Amen. Turn in your Bible to Mark 11. Oh, come on. Mark chapter 11. Let's continue talking about mastering the faith life. Amen. What belt are you? Right? Amen. Are you a white belt in faith? Just a beginner? That's fine. Some of you are green belts. Amen. Maybe we've got a black belt or two in here. I'm not sure. Amen. But that's where we're headed, right? To be masters of the faith life. In other words, that we have mastered what it means to live and to walk by faith. You know, before the coronavirus thing broke out, uh, God arrested me on one of these Wednesday night services, standing right over there praising the Lord and said, uh, I'm changing your message tonight. He didn't say that to me, but that's what he did. And uh, I want you to get up tonight. I want you to begin a series on the subject of faith. I want you to just talk out of your heart about how, and what, you, know, how you have learned to walk by faith before me. And so we're still, I don't have any other leading yet about that. So we're just endeavoring to do that. If you've been with us the last several weeks, we've been talking about the three primary ingredients to Bible faith or to the God kind of faith. In other words, I'm not saying that there aren't other, you know, things uh, that you could put in there or need to be added to your faith. Peter gave a whole list of things that needed to be added to your faith, like moral excellence. <laughs> Amen. Add to your faith virtue. That word virtue there means moral excellent. In other words, if you're not a morally excellent person, you're not going to be very effective in your faith because your conscience is defiled. Right? And if your conscience isn't right towards God, then you have no confidence, you know, working toward Him that He's going to hear you. Amen. And so that's why we need to live right. We need to live clean. We need to be quick to uh, repent when we miss it so that we can maintain a good and healthy and a sensitive conscience. Amen. Uh, so that uh, anyway, and Peter gave a whole list. So I'm not saying that these are the all and end all, but I'm saying you have no hope outside of just God's, you know, abundant mercy in that situation to have your faith work effectively without these Three ingredients. The first one, of course, was to believe in your heart. Very simple. To believe in your heart, not your head. Got to learn to not try to process faith in your mind. The best thing that you can do when you're wanting to operate in the God kind of faith is to get your mind to fight you less. The more you renew your mind and think like God, the, more, the less your mind will fight what your heart is wanting you to do. And that's the best you can do with your mind is to get it to agree. Does that make sense? So if things over time ought to seem easier, you have a little bit of a fight, of a less and less of a fight, it's because hopefully you're doing what we were just talking about. You're renewing your mind more, so your mind is less apt to fight you when you're wanting to step out into the unknown. To believe, really to be in faith, is you are calling something done, you're calling something real without any natural evidence. In fact, in the face of adverse evidence, the natural is telling you it's not so. It doesn't look like you're healed. It doesn't act like you're healed. If you ask your body if you're healed, it would say no. If you asked your feelings if you were healed, they would say no. If you asked your doctor if you're healed, they would say no. Everything around you says it's not working, but what faith is, you believe in your heart, in spite of all of that, that bless God, you are healed based on nothing more than what God said. Faith has everything to do with what God said. 
faith in faith for healing has nothing to do with what your body feels like. Your body hurting worse tomorrow than it does today is not evidence that your faith isn't working. Faith has nothing to do with your feelings, has nothing to do with doctor's reports, has nothing to do with tests. It has everything and only to do with what God said and are you believing that in your heart. That's the first vital ingredient. With the heart, man believes. Now, what is the heart? Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 3, called the heart the inner man. The inner man. There's an outward man. You're looking at my outward man. But there is an inward man. The real me, you can't see. The real me is living in this body of flesh. Looking out through these windows we call eyes. I'm a spirit. You're a spirit. And it's with our spirit, right, that we believe. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 talks about that our inward man is renewed day by day. See, the inward man, amen, I look at a bunch of pictures uh, over the last, you know, bit and uh, my outward man, when I first showed up in Paducah, looked different. Yeah. 18 years ago, almost 19 now. But my inward man is the same. Yeah. Your inward man never ages. It's eternal. Age, time, doesn't touch the inward man. And it's with your heart. It's with that inward man that you believe. And the inward man that is born of the Spirit, that's born of God, there is nothing that it can't believe that's in God's Word. You have the capacity to believe for anything far beyond anything you're ever going to need in life. I don't care if you take the top five worst disastrous diseases on the planet and put it all in your body, intense, 100% at once, and there's no problem for your spirit to throw that off of your body. Your, your faith is just, it's, it's the God kind. It's the God kind of faith. It'll move any mountain. It'll cause the manifestation of any and every Bible promise. There's nothing impossible with God and He's on the inside of you. And He's the one that imparted to you the measure of His own kind of faith. But you've got to learn to believe with your spirit. That's why you know, we who are uh, filled with the Spirit and speak with other tongues, we have an advantage over believers who have not yet had that experience because... Uh, as we speak in other tongues, we are having a, uh, that comes out of your spirit. So how do I locate my spirit? Well, if your spirit filled, that's that fountain, that's, that's my spirit. That's my spirit, not my head. You know, I can pray in tongues and count one, two, three, four to 10 uninterrupted with my mind. I can make a grocery list and pray in tongues. Right? Because Thinking with my mind and speaking out of my spirit, that's, it's two different things. That's why people sometimes have a little bit of uh, difficulty sometimes in the beginning speaking out in other tongues because they're, they're so trained and entrenched in speaking out of their mind. They've never yet really had their, they rarely have their tongue hooked up with their spirit. But you can do it. Amen. And that really leads to the second ingredient, that is speaking. Speaking out of your spirit. What you believe in your heart. That's the second vital ingredient to your faith. You have to say it. You cannot have it if you don't say it. 
And the more you say it, the more you'll have it. And the less you say it, the less you're going to have it. Amen. And uh, in the beginning, you, you may just go, I don't believe this. Say it anyway. Because remember what we talked about last week? Saying is sowing. And your heart is the ground. And so you may not believe it in your heart, but if you keep sowing the seed in the soil of your heart, you will. Your spirit will conceive that in its heart. Amen. And uh, so you need to use your tongue as the pen of a ready writer and write a, a, a healing image on the inside of your heart. So many Christians are so broken and they have such a, a damaged, warped, twisted self-image. And it's really a hindrance in their lives. Right? Because as a man thinketh in their heart, so are they or so did they become. And, and so if you think you're a worm or everything some dark, twisted person said about you, you're going to continue to produce a life in line with that until you begin to think different in your heart. Amen? Well, you need to say, I am who God says I am. Then you need to find out in the Bible, what does God say I am? Well, He says you're accepted in the Beloved. He said you're redeemed from the curse of the law. He said you're the very righteousness of God in Christ. He said you're more than a conqueror. He said a lot of things about you. And they're all victorious. They're all wonderful. So it goes back to rent. So much of the Christian life living in victory requires you have to flush old thoughts and take on new thoughts. Otherwise, you'll be born again in heaven bound, but your outward fruit and life won't look any different than the sinner down the street. Because you'd be born again, your name etched in the Lamb's Book of Life. You died today, you're going to heaven, but because of the way you think, you still think like that old man. Just like the sinner down the road does. And, you'll, and look at Christians. They have the same divorce rate, same bankruptcy rate, same mortality rate as the sinners do. Why? Well, it's not they have a covenant with God, but they haven't renewed their mind. They haven't learned how to believe God. And you've got to learn how to lift the promises of God off the ink of the page of your Bible and plant them like a seed in your heart. And you do that by saying it. Yeah. So remember I gave you the analogy about, you know, I'd been one of the things I've been working the system, the word system on, is the healing of my, primarily my right hand, where I had a real art, intense arthritic, arthritic pain in this thumb joint right here, and then all this kind of burning nerve pain. You know, I've spent, I don't know, it seems like I've spent half my life with a weed eater in my hand. And all that, you know, just being a physical guy, you may think all I do is sit around, but uh, that's not all I do. And, uh, and uh, so anyway... But I've just been working that system. Well, you know, uh, really all of the last seven days, that's just almost just haven't really had any problem with that. I'm still working that. But I always had to remind myself because the pain's not reminding me. I'm not anything great, but when something comes up in my body, me having heard and preached many sermons on healing, that's not going to get me well this time. You know, every year you plant a garden, just because you had a successful garden last season doesn't mean you're going to have one this season. If you want one this season, you've got to go through the whole process again. That's why we can get lazy, because we know this stuff. We've heard this stuff. We've been around the faith message. Well, fine, good. What are you doing with the seed? Sow the seed. Water the seed, and the seed will do, your heart will grow it. 
So we've got these first two ingredients, right? We must believe in our heart and we must speak out of our heart what we believe. Now tonight we're going to talk about the third vital ingredient and that is corresponding action. Now I, we're going to go to James in a moment, but let's go ahead and read again uh, Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24 because these are, in my opinion, the most profound, concise uh, words anyone ever spoke on the subject of faith that we have in our Bible. So Jesus said, answering, said unto them, Have faith in God or have the God kind. Well, this tells me there are other kinds. God says, Have the God kind. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. Didn't say anything about having doubt in your mind. You're going to have doubt in your mind. The devil's going to make sure that you have things and questions coming to your mind. You know, to master the faith life, what do I do with all that? There are different things. One of the things you can do is just ignore it. It doesn't mean anything unless you think it does. All that's going to bombard your, it's worse. It's worse. You should have gone, you know, whatever. The enemy's telling you. It's not happening. You just, you know, ignore a lot of it. You also better answer some of it. I mean, if it's trouble, you need to answer it. You need to speak to that thought and say no and then give it the word answer. That's what Jesus did in the garden repeatedly. It is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. And that's how he overcame. Amen. And so he said, we do not doubt in our heart, but we believe. Now, what do we believe? We believe that those things which we say are coming to pass. If we do that, Jesus said, you shall have Whatever you say. Now, don't forget, notice he did not say you're going to have what you believe. He said you're going to have what you say. And it's going to be important in a moment. Now, in verse 24, it says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them. When are you going to believe you receive them? When you pray about them. Not when they show up. Not when you feel better. Not when finances come. When you pray, you are required to believe that you receive them. Obviously not in their visible form, but in their invisible form as a promised, granted request. Like if you came to me and you asked me for something, and I said, yes, amen, it's coming. You, you believe and you make plans and you talk and you act like, I'm not a liar. It's like the little girl that comes to mommy for a new dress. And mommy says, well, I'm working this week, but on Saturday morning when the mall opens, I'll go buy you a new dress. Well, if, if, uh, if the, the little girl believes that, then she's going to be telling her friends about it. She's, not, she's going to be ready. She's going to be excited. She's going to be expectant. She knows because her mom has the money. She believes her mom to be a person of her word that on Saturday morning she's going to have a new dress. Faith is just like that. God has told you in His word what He will do. And like a child, you are to believe it. 
in the absence of any physical evidence. Because your Abba, your daddy said so. That's all faith needs. That's what that centurion, that's what that Roman centurion had a revelation of that so impressed the Lord. He said, no, it's not, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. You don't need to do that. Speak the word only. And my, all he needed to do was hear Jesus say it. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, he marveled. He said, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Here is a Roman centurion, and he's got the best understanding of what faith is than anyone I've ever come across. But what was his great revelation? All I need to hear you do, all I need is to hear you say it. And when he heard Jesus say, you have it. The Bible says that his servant was healed that very same hour. The centurion simply said, thank you, I've got it. I've got your word on it. See, really, see how simple faith is? Faith is finding out, faith is finding out what God has put his promise on. And God is true to, true to his word. So when he said, I shall supply all your need. See, all a believer, all a Christian... Ought to, want to, ought, ought to need when it comes to finances is to know that Father said. I mean, if my earthly father came to me and said, Son, I just want to tell you something. I know I've never told you this. I know you're 47. I've never told you this, but I'm telling you now. All your needs the rest of your life, I shall supply. Oh, come on. How... What, what would be the requirement for me to just throw a party right then? Well, I would need to know my dad is integrous. And number two, I would need to know he's got the ability to make that happen. And that's it. And that's where you have to get with God. And we said, well, it's, it's, that's, that's just hard for me to do because what? Because you've never seen him. Right? You've never seen him. I've never seen him either. But this is called walking by faith, not by sight. However, you can and should. It's the most paramount thing in all of our lives is to know him personally. Amen. And this is why people who really know something about faith will make statements like this. Faith is a walk with God. Faith is a relationship with God. See, if you don't trust God very much, you're telling me you don't hang out a lot. You don't know him very well. You may know some things about the Bible, but you don't know him. You can know every word in a book he wrote and not know the author. I'm telling you to know God is to trust him. One of the greatest things that you can do to strengthen your faith is not go to another seminar. It's to spend time with Father. Get to know him personally. How do I do that? Through His Word and through times of fellowship and waiting on Him in prayer. That help you? That should help you. Amen. So now, now let's go over to James chapter 2. And let's look at the third, the third vital, and I'm going to call this the final major, major ingredient to the God kind of faith is actions that correspond. Or actions that back up what you say you believe. 
And friends, this is where this is what's going to separate the men from the boys. Because you know the Bible says something about believing. The Bible says the demons believe. But they're not getting anything out of it. If believing was all there was, many of us, man, we would, we would be far beyond where we are. James, where's James? Okay, praise God, it's coming. Hallelujah. James chapter 2. You know, I, I, I've seen people die believing. And never had any inward uh, check about the sincerity of what they believed. You know, believing, I'm talking about believing for healing. Oh, I believe. I believe. I believe. And I'm going to show you tonight. You can believe and really believe and have faith to be healed and still not be. Because you have to have all these ingredients. You can go bankrupt believing that my God shall supply. And many have. Oh, glory to God. You know, the people, the people who really believe, they act as if it's true. They act as if it's true. Amen. James chapter 2, verse 17. I'm going to read this to you from the Amplified. So maybe the uh, folks in the booth could uh, put this up. James 2, 17 in the Amplified. James says, So also faith, if it does not have works. Now notice how the Amplified defines it. Deeds and actions of obedience to back it up. By itself, talking about faith, is destitute of power, inoperative, dead. So faith without deeds that back it up, your faith is inoperative, it's dead. Sure is quiet in this Pentecostal church tonight. James goes on in verse 18, but someone will say to you then, you say you have faith. I've heard of that a lot. I have faith. Well, you might. And I have good works. Now you show me your alleged faith apart from any good works if you can. And I, by good works of obedience, will show you my faith. You believe that God is one you do well. So do the demons believe. And they shudder in terror and horror. Such as a man's hair stand on end and contract the surface of his skin. Are you willing to be shown proof, you foolish, unproductive, spiritually deficient fellow? That faith apart from good works is inactive, ineffective, and worthless. Was not our forefather Abraham shown to be justified, made acceptable to God by his works when he brought to the altar as an offering his own son Isaac? You see that his faith was cooperating with his works and his faith was completed and reached its supreme expression when he implemented it by good works. Now, to understand this, you, you need to not think, when you read good works, you think, okay, my faith as a Christian is backed up by good deeds. That's not what James is talking about. In the Greek, the word works means actions that correspond. Actions that match. 
So a person can lay on their back with their body racked with symptoms and say sincerely, I believe that I am healed. And healing power never show up. I don't mind going slow. You got to get this. What did these verses say about faith by itself? It is faith. It's faith in the heart. But it's dead. I like the word inoperative. It's dormant. It has the potential. It's real. It's genuine. But it is not operating. It is ineffective. And as long as it stays that way, you're in the same condition as the one who has no faith. Worthless. Like my daughter was talking in the offering portion on Sunday about tools. Money is a tool. You use it and you put it away. What good's it? You have a hammer. She talked about a hammer. Hanging and wonderfully organized in your shop. But it's inoperative, ineffective, useless, dead until you put it to work. That's what your faith is. It's supernatural. It's godlike. It came from God. But apart from actions that match, you'll never meet power. You'll never be filled with the Spirit. You'll never speak with tongues. You'll never be healed. You'll never have the kinds of answers to prayer you long for until you believe it enough to act like it's true now. That is the final ingredient to the God kind of faith. Yes, you must. Now, listen, I'll give you a couple of things here. Acting without believing won't get the job done. You just go, go out here and act, but you really don't believe it in here. You're going to fall flat on your face. At the same time, we have a lot more Christians on this side of the equation. They're believing but they have not acted. And they're frustrated. They are, here's where most Christians miss it, I believe. Their faith is passive. They have prayed. They're in the Word. They're listening to sermons. They're confessing. And they're waiting for something to happen. They are waiting for God to do something. I had someone even tell me, I am believing, but I am waiting on God to manifest it. Manifestation will never come until there is action that corresponds. The power to walk on the surface of the water never was activated while Peter sat inactive in the boat. Only as he made movement to get out on the water did God's power to hold him up manifest. So many people are frustrated. They are all twisted up into Christianese justifications for really doubt and unbelief and confusion about faith. They believe, but not enough to act. Do you believe I'm a safe driver? Yes, but I'm not riding with you. Well, your faith is missing something. You don't believe it enough if you're not willing to act like it's so. If you could get this revelation, you, 
you're going to be someplace. Let me read this verse again. Let's look at verse 17 again. So also faith, if it does not have corresponding action, that's why I'm going to translate that for you. If it does not have deeds and actions of obedience to back it up, by itself is destitute of power. In other words, no power. No power. And all the while you could be genuinely believing while your body goes down, 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 down in health. While your finances go down, 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 down. While you continue to have all kinds of problems. You're not doing enough to meet power. You have to add action. And this is where the devil paralyzes people. They're scared to act. They're all caught up in all the what ifs. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if. Well, listen, this whole building, so much of what God has done for us in ministry would not have happened had I been paralyzed by the what if. So when God told me in my office, I want you to relocate your ministry, Chris. I want you to get in position for a last day move of my spirit and gave me the parameters. And I just believed. Oh, Father, I believe it. I believe it. I believe for the new building. I believe for the land. I believe for the building. I believe for the land. I believe I have it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And never do nothing. I'm just waiting for something to happen. Waiting for some guy to come into my office and hand me the keys of a building, or I'm a contractor, or uh, I'm a real estate agent, I got free land. You're just passively waiting for God to do something while you believe and make confessions. Believing and making confessions is vitally important, but if you don't have the third ingredient, nothing's happening. Manifestation never comes until there's action. Manifestation never comes. While you wait. Now listen, hold on a minute. If God says, son, stand still. What is your action that would correspond? What if for years God told my, about my wife and I about a, a home. We had this knowing in the spirit God had something better for us. But then he would tag on, but not yet. So what is my corresponding action? I have to act in line with what He says. That is what faith is. Now, God's. this is where you need to understand. Um, acting on the Word is faith. Okay, so there's a few types we do that. Miss Jennifer could pull something out of the written Word. That's primarily how that... And she acts on that Word. God's not going to, that's a contract. God's going to back up that written word. When she acts on the word, it will come to pass. I'm going to give you an example too. Sometimes the word people must act on is God's word through a minister. So Jesus was ministering in the synagogue one time and he saw this precious brother back there that had a hand that was withered up and curled up like that. Called him out in the aisle. Remember what he told him? He didn't say, brother, believe more. If you would just believe, you wouldn't be like that. If you would just believe. Come on, if you would just be a better believer. What did that man need? What did Jesus tell him? How did Jesus help him? He gave him something to do. Because Jesus knows to meet God's power, you must act. So what did Jesus say? As the minister, he said, stretch forth thine hand. 
And if, if, we're, if the man were like a lot of believers today, he would say, oh, I would love to, Jesus, but I can't. But I'm believing. I'm believing. When the power surges through my arms, I'm sure will. But I'm just waiting for the manifestation. Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. And as he acted on what Jesus said, what the minister told him to do, the power showed up and he was healed. Go to Acts chapter 14. Let me show you this. This will preach right here. Are y'all, are y'all okay? How about y'all out there online? You doing okay? I'll take it by faith that you're doing okay. All right. We're having fun in here. I don't, God doesn't want your faith life to be frustrating. You know, even working out if you hate it, if you start to see results, you kind of go, oh, I like that. I felt something there other than swinging, you know. That was nice. That's nice. There's substance there. Results is motivating. A lot of people, a lot of Christians out there have given up on faith. They've just given up on it. When you need your faith now more than ever. So let's look at this. In Acts chapter 14, verse 7, it says, And there they, the they is Paul and his ministry team, they preached the gospel. How does faith come? See, this is an important part. Faith must come. And it only comes one way. It comes by hearing. So it says there they preached the gospel and there sat a certain man at Lystra impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb who never had walked. Not only had he, this not a person who's walked but was injured. This man was crippled from his mother's womb. He has never known what it was like to stand up on his own two feet, to run, to walk, to leap. Never. Never had any experience doing this. So you see his condition. And it was a condition from birth. He'd had this for a long time. So here sat this man from Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak. Who steadfastly, now this is the minister, Paul, steadfastly beholding him, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. Stop. Did he have faith to be healed? Was he? Did the man have faith? Did the Bible say the man had faith to be healed? To be healed of something he'd had since birth. All he'd ever known. But he had the faith to be healed of that condition. But was he? No. Let me ask you though, is it important that he did have faith? Vitally important. How did he get it? He got it by hearing. And how important is it to be in the service? Because Paul beholding him, I can't behold anyone through the camera. But as Paul was ministering, see if I, something I'm preaching and all of a sudden something comes alive in Brother Wayne, I, I can detect that. And if he needs to take a, another step to get where God wants him to go, but he's not taking it as the minister, I can help him. That's exactly what's happening here. 
Let's go ahead and because uh, I, I stopped short. So the same heard Paul speak who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving the minister perceived he had faith to be healed said with a loud voice what? Could I, how would you rephrase it based on what we're teaching? Act on the faith you have. You have faith, now act on it. You have faith, now work your... You have a hammer now. Work your hammer. You have what you need now. Put it to work. Make it operative so it's not ineffective, dead, devoid of power, worthless. Plug into the power of God. You've got the stuff, boy. He's, he gave him... The, the, the last ingredients, the minister helped him. So this is the word of the Lord. Acting on the word is faith. When the minister under the anointing of the Spirit said, stand up on your feet and walk. Well, if he'd have said, I, but I want to, I really want to, but I just, I just, I don't sense any change, sir. I don't want to fall down. See, he'd have, he had faith to be healed, but he would have missed the whole thing. But he did have faith to be healed. And when the man of God said, stand up on your feet and walk, he just did it. And then, what does the Bible say? It says he leaped and he walked. Oh, come on. That's what we want to get to, right? The people who can't leap, but now they're leaping. The people who can't walk, but now they can. What is the vital ingredient? You have to have it all. You have to believe. You have to have faith. But it's not enough to have faith. You have to act on it. You have to get off your back. You have to violate those symptoms. You know how many times I've come to this campus and come to this pulpit with blown out symptoms when everything in my body was saying, let someone else preach. Take a half a bottle of NyQuil and go to bed. But I believe in the power of God. I believe in the promise of God. I'm not in the habit of letting the enemy cheat me out of my assignment. How many times I've stood and, and done that and two or three minutes in, the power of God hit me. And all my symptoms flee away and I didn't take them home with me. Because I had faith enough to act on the Word of God. Brother Hagin talks about just... Just weeks, just a few months maybe of being healed and raised up off a deathbed. He had been on a bed uh, 16 long months as a teenager. He turned 16 during that period. And, you know, he was just, uh, he had paralysis. He had an incurable blood disease. He had a deformed chest. He had an incurable heart disease. He had, but he was healed all of that. But you've been in a bed for 16 months. And you're atrophied. And he laid less than 100 pounds. In Texas. And these were depression days and jobs were hard to come by. But he got a job just months after this pulling peach trees to fill orders. So he would get out on a truck with grown men and uh, head out in the pre-dawn hours into the field. And he just said his body just so racked with weakness. So racked with weakness. So tired. No muscle. Just totally atrophied away. But he just, he, he had got this scripture, the Lord is the strength of my life. I can do all things. You know, you get a little green coming right here, you get a little run and you call in sick every time, there's something wrong with your faith. Yeah. 
You're either lazy, you're taking advantage of your boss, or you have no faith at all. You've got to learn to violate those symptoms. Resist those symptoms. I'm redeemed from sickness. I'm not putting up with this. You ought to be the most faithful, reliable worker on the job. That's where moral excellence comes in. Maybe some, some people like the attention that they get from somebody when they're saved. You don't want to get sick in my house because there ain't nobody having mercy on nobody. You know, my wife and I, if, you t- if we take spiritual aptitude tests, our mercy level is like literally negative zero. That's, that's one of the things I've, I've, had, I've had staff that just couldn't hang with me before and uh, had to be because they were sickly. And you have compassion on them for a long time, but I'm not paying you to be sick at home when you're redeemed from the curse of the law. You better get with it, especially if you won't be at home and read your books and feed your faith and make an effort. Some people like to be pet and they like to have attention, la, 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 la. So they, they're quick to jump into depression. They're quick to jump into despair. They don't mind being in financial straits all the time because someone always comes along and bails them out. You've got to be tired of all of that mess. You've got to get fed up with drama in your life and defeat in your life and sickness in your life. And you've got to get to be where people are calling you hard. That's how you know when you're making progress, when they start accusing you of stuff like, you ain't got no love. No, I just expect you to live as a Christian, as a believer, like someone who's got some faith. Preaching good, hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Look at, let's go over to Luke chapter 5 here. Let's look at another example. So many people, they're sitting around waiting for uh, symptoms to go away. Come on, you gotta have you gotta fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Now, are there times to be to rest? Of course there are. Amen. You know, and if I was cut on, had a procedure, and the doctor said, you know, that you need to, well, then you should do that. And you should believe God for an accelerated. Jesus appeared to Brother Hagin one time and said, Listen, you tell my people, if they have had a procedure and they're in the hospital, if they will ask me and believe me, I will accelerate the healing process. But notice even Jesus said there is a healing process. But He said He would speed that up. Amen. Are you getting this? Faith without an action, there will be no manifestation. Just, just let there be no ambiguity about it, no deception about it. If you don't believe it enough, oh, I, believe, I believe God's able to meet all my needs. What do you give? Oh, no, I can't give right now. I've got a lot going on. Well, you don't believe nothing. Because you don't have the kind of faith that will act. You believe God honors prayer? Do you believe God answers prayer? Yeah, how often have you prayed this week? I don't pray at all. I've been busy. Well, you... See, you don't have the kind of faith yet that is getting the job done. So many things, it's a faith issue. And so much of defining what that faith issue is, it's in action. It's a lack of action. I have just learned this, learned this, learned this. God moves when I move. And God will not move until I move. Nothing happened. This daycare didn't just show up. 
I had it in my heart for two years before I did anything about it. And that's fine. You've got you to be sure. You've got to let that marinate. You want to make sure that's God. But once I said, okay, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to follow that. I believe I receive. They just said, poof, there it is. Oh, there's Stacy, and oh, there's all the regular. No, there's mounds of paperwork and organization and, and, and thousands of dollars and, and steps you have to take. But you see God move when you take your steps. Mm-mm-mm. Now, the greatest challenge in that is knowing what step to take. That's the greatest challenge, right? And in that, this is another thing. I talk about faith as, a, as an act. So Sister Jennifer could get some out of the written word. She acts on that. I talked about another way. You get a word from the Lord. Through the, God talks to you through the minister. If you won't act on that, you're not going to get anything out of it. The third thing is, this is so vitally important, is what is the Holy Ghost saying to you? inside your heart because he will lead you in line with your measure of faith he knows everything about you and what your abilities are and what your measure of faith is and what's going on out there with you and he will lead you but if you just want to be passive and inactive then you're staying in the boat and the miracles are not in the boat and you just have to watch all of us water workers work the word. We're not bragging, but some of us have figured out that the way to unlock the manifestation of God's divine and supernatural power is for me to put myself in a position where I must have it. Peter had no life jacket. He put himself, based on one word from Jesus, come in a situation where he had to have God's power. Yeah. Building this building, I put myself, I put this entire ministry in a place where we had to have God's power. Amen. You get to the place where you feel like in your situation, all hope is toast, is gone. Nothing more. I, now you're in a place where you can see God's power. Sadly, so many people will not follow God into places like that because it's too risky. I got into that. Oh, man, seven years building this building, and I would lament. I would walk around and tell God, I, I have risked it all. Oh, God, do you have any idea? I've risked my, and I talked to him about this. I just risked my whole ministry, my whole reputation. I have risked it all. I have risked my salary. I've risked my congregation. I've risked the whole thing. And in my mind, I'm speaking the truth because that's what it looked like. Finally, God got tired of that, and he broke in on me. He goes, hey, there is absolutely zero risk in what you're doing. Boy, that was a head scratcher. Really? Zero risk in what I'm doing? I sold my building. I didn't have a building. See, that's take a step. You believe God's going to give you a building? Sell yours. You guys want to be me. Some of you watched it. Sell your building. Oh, I didn't have a loan for a building. Didn't have finances for a building. A lot of people would say, that's not wise. And it didn't look wise. It didn't feel wise. It felt risky. And I told the Lord, 
you better come through for me because I have risked it all. He goes, there's zero risk in what you're doing. What? He said, there is zero risk in doing what I tell you. If I tell you to do it, there is zero risk in failure. Zero. None. Oh. When Abraham heard God say, take thy son, thy only son, the son you love. I mean, he's really just rubbing it in, isn't he? Take thy son, thy only son, the one you love. Take him and offer him unto me there. I understand why he didn't tell Sarah. Mama wouldn't have been having it. Be like, I don't care what you believe. I don't care you had too much pizza and Pepsi today because you are not. God gave us that boy. But see, it looked like that'd be risky to thrust a dagger into the heart of your son, your only son, the son you love. See, there's zero risk. Zero risk in doing what God tells you to do. God never leads anybody into failure. The key to it is, what is he saying to you in your heart? What is he saying to you? And it takes some praying. It takes some waiting on God. It it takes some quieting of your mind to get to where you can become acquainted with the stirrings of your own heart. I mean, the first thing I did, God told me that, I said, well, okay. Uh, we had about $25,000, on a mortgage left on the Jackson Street property. And I thought, well, okay, we're going to pay that off. I told you that story. And then uh, I had to talk to a broker, a real estate broker. And I gave him the parameters of what God told me and the kind of property he wanted me to buy and wanted me to have. And he goes, listen, I want to, you ready? He, pray, he said, let's put this building on the market. Well, my head kicked in. I don't have a loan. I don't have no building. I'm still working with the architect just to get paper plans, which was $110,000 just for that. And finally I go, okay, okay, okay. Listen, I don't want you making any advertisement. I don't want you to put it in the magazine. You can put the sign out on the street corner. That's it. Because I knew, in my heart, I was like, I'm not ready. He goes, how much do you want me listed for? I said, $275,000. He goes, this building's not worth half of that. You will never get $275,000. This building is not worth half of that. I said, put it on there. Put it on there. Okay. 30 days later, he comes back. Full price offer. Now, I knew because of what he said, you'll never get that. He goes, you better take this. I, I, this is unbelievable that they're offering you $275,000 for this. In the meantime... He had found this farm, not on the market, but it met all the criteria. He just walked up and approached. The owner happened to be a born-again Christian, was saving this 16 acres for his, an inheritance for his sons, but because he said, but if it's for a church, I'll do it, but I have to have 275000 There was no negotiation. God had just put it all together. Miracles only as I made movement. Not while I sat in my office. And did it stretch me? 
you have no idea. You have no idea. He said, you better take this. I'm like, I have nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. I don't have a loan. But I had peace in my heart about doing it. So by Easter 2006, we had to be out. So we moved into this old, uh, old assembly. They had just gotten a new building, the Assemb- Victory Assembly. And just three blocks. We're on 25th Street, up on 28th Street, down, down a ways off Jackson. They had a, the blue-windowed building. Anybody remember the blue-windowed building? I was embarrassed. But it was the open door. It's what I had. So we signed a year lease and the year after April, Easter, we moved into the blue windowed building with the shag carpet. It had one bathroom in that building. It was in the back of the sanctuary. And the door would open up. And if you opened up too wide while I'm preaching, I could see you wiping your derriere. <laughs> basement, basement Sunday school. I mean, we fixed that whole place up. About a year and a half in to that. It sold. Oh, dear God. Still don't have a loan. Right? Got these sheep going like this. Where are we going? Where are we going? What are we doing? And I'm behind the scenes going, where are we going? What are we doing? Walking by faith. Oh, man. And uh, then God led us to go and to hook up with the Strong family and to have church on Saturday to move in with their church no sign we have Saturday church and Tuesday church and we didn't do that for two weeks y'all we did that for four and one half years All the while, every year, Dr. Dufresne, my spiritual father, is coming along and we're having lunch. I tell you this, every every day. And we sit down, wherever we are, he starts telling me this story about how they were meeting in a tent on their land out in California. They don't have any rain out there anyway, so it's no big deal. You can't meet in a tent here forever. (laughs) And God kept telling him, go the bond. No bank would touch him just like us. No bank would touch him. Do it. The bond people, all that high interest, got to sell those bonds. And every year for four years, Dr. Friend come tell me the story about how God got him in their building, how he didn't want to sell those bonds, he didn't want to pay all that high interest, yet God led him to do it. He said, just do it, pay the high interest, and then refinance it once you get in. Every, the fourth year in a row, he's telling me that story. I go, I get it. <laughs> so you've got to listen for the Word of God through your man of God. So I went the bond route. Oh, my God. You want to talk about paperwork. Anyway, um, I mean, it's time to either do it or don't do it. Sign the note. They're going to give us $1.4 million. Shazam. The first year, the payment was only about $6,800 per month, which was like a 400% increase from what we were paying. Stretch of faith. Then the next year, it was going to go up to about 8500 Then the next year, it's going to go up about 9800 Then on the fourth year, it's going to cap out at $12,200 per month. Oh, wow. And I'm like, uh, with the ink pen. 
because it's not Deacon Phillips' names on the line. I know he's for me, but he's behind me. I don't know how far behind me he is. <laughs> I just, he is really close behind me, but he wasn't at the bank that day. I'm just telling you. Yeah. So before you criticize me about my car, just remember where I've come from. Amen. Amen. So I'm sitting there at a meeting with Dr. Dufresne over at Dr. Jacobs Church in New Albany. We're in the back room and they seat me right across from Pastor Nancy. And I'm, I'm just like thinking about they're waiting on me. You're going to do it or not do it. And I, big man of faith, I said, uh, I said, Pastor Nancy, I just don't know if we can do it. Me and my little crew, I just don't know if we can do it. And she put her forehead out. She goes, you can do it. You can make that payment. And something, I mean, just went on the inside of me. I got an impart, and I never doubted it from that moment. Sat there in peace, signed that document. Never fasted one meal, never prayed any extra prayers. I thought, we're going to have this refinanced anyway. We'll never see that $12,300 payment anyway. You know, we did. We did. Oh, we did. People go on vacation. They take their dollars with them. Whatever. $12,300. Jennifer can testify. God did it. I'm telling you, God did it. See, there's zero risk. Then the prophet of God gets over in the spirit. Dr. Jacob said, there's a new lender coming. We got that lender. Drop the payment by over $4,000 a month. Oh, glory. We always pay earlier on time. Always. I don't pray about the building payment. I prayed about it before I signed those papers. But see, it took faith. Now, I could sit in my hotel room or I could sit in my, I believe I receive the supply. I believe I receive the supply. But if you don't believe it enough to put your name on the paper, where it matters, then you're never going to, you're just never going to live this life. Man, I know it's 847, but y'all are acting interested. Is this okay? We've got to remember the children's workers. We've got to get out of here fast, okay? But let's look at this real quick at Luke 5, and then we'll just have to stop. See, the great thing about having a church is we can just come back. See, So we don't have to try to get it all in. But it's good, isn't it? It's good. Now listen, you, none of you need to be condemned. Don't be hard on yourself, but I'm just saying, you just have to understand this concept. God is going to, when you show Him your faith in action, that's when He's going to meet you and show Himself faithful to you. But if faith is only going to be a theory for you, he, you're not, He's just not going to throw it on your plate while you be lazy. Well, I mean, just in different ways. I had to put myself on the line. Where God is either going to come through and show Himself strong on my behalf, or I'm going to have to say, I missed it, and start over. I mean, a lot of our leaders could testify, I beg God, I plead with God, oh my God. We had the 2008 financial crash right during that time too. And right about that time, they said, Chris, we could build this building, everything. I mean, we're still working on this building. He said, we can finish it, everything on, in the office at Jackson Street for $900,000. $65 a square foot. Really? So we designed it. Like it? It's pretty nice. But we, anyway. By the time we got the stamp on the architectural plan, the cost of the building went up by double. Double. So I said, see, God, we could, that's not good stewardship. I begged him. I said, we'll build us a pole barn. 
We'll pack the dirt. We don't care. I thought I did every little, I had, I had modular building meetings. Slash the budget meeting. God wouldn't let me change it. Not a square foot. He didn't act like double was a big deal to him. It's not. What it's a big deal to is my thinking. Which is the problem. And that's your problem. <laughs> okay. We're trying to read this. So in verse, Luke 5, verse 17, Jesus is in Galilee and He's preaching in a, at a guy's house and it says in the last phrase of verse 17, Luke 5, the power of the Lord was present to heal. Oh my goodness. Power is present, but that doesn't mean anybody's being healed. And you're going to find out in this meeting only one person got healed, but it said there was power to heal them, not just one. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man, which was taken with palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what means they could bring him in because of the multitudes, really crowded, they went on the housetop. Everyone say they went upon the housetop. Amen. Is that action? That is action. That is not a confession. That is an action. And they went on the housetop and they let down through the tiling uh, with his couch into the midst before Jesus. Oh, here it comes. Look at verse 20. And when he saw their faith. Not when he heard their faith. When he saw their faith, he said, now listen, don't get me wrong, confession is an action. Praising God for it, because you believe it's true, is an action. Your confession, your affirmation that what God said is true in your case is an action. It's vitally important. I already talked to you about that's an ingredient. And when he saw their faith, he said to the man, Who gets God's attention? The people that are acting. Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And he had this interaction with him. Verse 24 says, But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, what? What did he tell him to do? The word arise, take up thy couch, take up thy bed is what? It's the same thing that Paul did to the man at Lystra. Stand upon thy feet. This boy didn't arise because he felt in his body he was healed. He began to make movement because Jesus said to. And as he did, the power came. And his healing was manifest. Are you with me? It says in verse 25, And immediately he rose up before them and took up whereupon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Don't you want to see God do some strange things today? I want to see God do some amazing... I want to glorify God because of what I see Him do. We have to be willing to act. Have to be willing to act. Got to be willing to act. Amen. Amen. If you're not willing to act, just keep feeding the Word in. Just keep feeding the Word in. I fed the Word of God in for weeks about that lower leg issue I had until the Word of God sprung up so strong on the inside of me and it just worked in action. I said, here, God, is what you're going to do. 
If you didn't want me to expect you to heal me right now, you should not have written it down where I could read it. So I'm not taking the medicine and I'm not taking the crutches. I'm going to stand up and you're going to heal me right now. And he did. It's not a product of me being special. It's a product of what the Word did in me. The Word is meant to get so alive in you that you act on it. And so if you're not there, just keep feeding it in until that incorruptible seed of the Word of God on healing or finances or a great marriage or whatever it is becomes so alive on the inside of you, you have to do something. Amen. Amen. Stand up tonight. Hallelujah.